Welcome to The Travelling Senorita, episode 109. I am sitting on a golf course, which is kind of like weird for me because my husband is a golfer and I'm more of a, um, I'd say I'm more of a aerial yoga, tennis, snowboarding expert. That was, I just said that for the kids because that's absolutely hilarious. But I'm sitting on a golf course in this really pristine, serene environment, which is called Bangalay Luxury Villas. I even think I should whisper when I'm here because it's just so beautiful, but rustic at the same time, on the coast at Shoalhaven Bay. Why I'm here today is because I found a chef who's a fellow podcaster. I'm going to say first and foremost, he's going to say a chef. Uh, I've been examining his podcast, which is called Food Fight, and he does actually really well on his podcast. But he's trained, his trade is to be a chef, is a chef, and his name is Simon Evans. Hello, Simon. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. So, firstly, you're a fellow podcaster, so I'm intimidated by this process. Oh, we, we don't take it too seriously. It's definitely a little side hustle that um, me and my co-host, Steph Postuma, started a couple of years ago as, uh, I guess, a means to talk about all the stuff we would over a beer, and we're like, let's, let's just record it and go. So, <laughs> been pushing along that for a couple of years now. Super dangerous over a beer. Mm. So, I'm having a beautiful orange natural wine that mm. your restaurant has given me, because because I've been on a long road trip. You deserve it, yeah. Literally, literally from Byron to, sorry, from Brisbane to Byron to Sydney to Marimula to Eden to you. I'm back. Yeah, I mm. told my husband there was about two hours in between most of those destinations. <laughs> so, <laughs> hence why I'm on a golf course, so he can enjoy golf mm. and I can chat to you. So, arriving in Bangalore Villas, it really feels like you're stepping into another world. Mm. And then you've got your restaurant, which is a hatted restaurant. Um, and I just want to know more about Bangalore Villas first. Let's start there and then we'll go back to who you are as a chef. Yeah, so, cool. where am I? Uh, yes, yeah, so we're in Shoven Heads on the south coast. So, um, a, a small little village um, with with not uh, not a lot going on, but very serene and very quiet. We're about oh, about about 100 meters from the beach right now. If you're in the if you're in the dining room, you're about 50 meters. Um, and yeah, we're in one of the beautiful villas here. So, what was the the, the pretense behind Bangalore Villas? What was the mission? Um, so, Michelle and Tom, um, both from Shawhaven Heads originally, um, lived in Sydney for a while. When when they sort of came back, they wanted to do something. Uh, something special here. Actually, one, one of the things was was sort of um, kid friendly. Um, they've got they've got some they've got kids, so they wanted somewhere that um, young families like them could come. Um, so that's why the all the villas are self contained. They've got uh, washing machines, dryers, oven, kind of full kids out kitchen, and not fire. And, yeah, yeah, and not not even like that kind of. Um, those like half-assed kitchens you get in some places yeah. where there's like one knife and a tiny board. It's yeah. a proper fit-out kitchen. You can yeah. cook dinner here. Um, they didn't want to have a restaurant to obviously service um, the people staying here, so they incorporated uh, Bangalore dining. But obviously, they're, the obviously they're foodies because Bangalore dining isn't just your like your little pub meal vibe. Yeah, I mean they, they wanted um, they wanted something special. They wanted something that represented the South Coast. They also wanted um, to do lots of native ingredients, lots of wild ingredients, and sort of have something that represents the, the South Coast and, and the area that we're in. It sounds like the whole enchilada. I'm super excited because husband's on the golf course. Mm. I'm hanging out with you drinking orange. Uh, what is it called? Clean skin, not clean skin. Um, uh, skin contact. Skin contact. Yeah. That's actually the opposite. <laughs> skin contact wine. Mm. And we're sitting in this beautiful abode. Yeah, yeah. It's quite, um, when you come here, you drive through the, the village and 
uh, even when you kind of get here, it's sort of just tucked behind, just between the the golf course and some some other houses, and you you, ca- you can't really tell it's here. And when you're actually here, you can't quite tell where you are either. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and I haven't actually hit the beach yet, so yeah. I haven't given myself the landmark. But I was driving in, going, oh yeah, there's your typical bolo, you, you know, yeah, like yeah. your caravan park, mm. and your bakery. And I'm like, where am I heading yeah, exactly, to? Yeah. And then it's beautiful with its dark um, hues and, and natural timbers as well. Yeah, so Michelle's from a design background, so she obviously had that, that, okay, that pretty, there we um, go. pretty locked in. So, yeah, it was really, really nice. They sort of blend in with the environment here. They're quite quite beachy, uh, kind of chic, with the sort of light timbers and, and the and, you know, well-appointed as well. So, I mean, yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful uh, villas. Uh, we also have three holiday houses that we we manage as well, yeah. um, done in a similar kind of fashion, and, and they can sleep up to up to sort of twelve people as well. So um, we've got sort of lots of options here. It strikes me as eco and sustainable as well as accessible. Yeah, there's three things that always I tick for tourism, which is the eco, the sustainable, and accessible. Yeah, definitely. Um, tourism are very important, but these mm. guys obviously thought about that too. Yeah, yeah, definitely the sustainability factor kind of runs through the, the whole property and mm. into the kitchen as well. So that's something they were they were really focused on as well light footprint mm. so, okay so that's great thank you for having me here I feel very welcomed mm. now let's talk about Simon Evans prior to arriving in Australia and what the Welsh boy what's it like growing up in Wales um, funny uh, yeah <laughs> Welsh people are particularly funny they are just like I've got, got a couple of mates just, just very down to earth <laughs> great sense of humour yeah. um, you know it's, it's the land of song it's a beautiful place when it's not overcast and raining um, yeah, yeah. which is a bit of an issue there but yeah, um, lots of sport, lots of rugby, yeah. um, n- not a foodie in the slightest uh, until I was about 17, 18. I was very fussy as a child. I basically ate like chips and, and reheated chicken things to really? my mum's uh, dismay. So nobody in the cook. family was inspiring you with food? Not really. Like, my mum and dad are decent cooks. Like mum, mum knocks out some nice stuff. Comfort and, and food? And always, yeah, and always cooked, for, cooked basic stuff for us. And, you know, and her mother's was, was a good cook and a good yeah. baker. Um, but yeah, I was very fussy and didn't eat a lot at all until I, until I'd left school really. Um, and then I was I was um, I was working as a, a part time snowboard instructor. Snowboard. At an artificial ski slope just down the road for me. Classic. Yeah, so I, I snowboarded from like ten years old. Um, Classic. And became an instructor when I was sixteen, and then I was just sort of working evenings there and doing seasons abroad, um, and I had to cook for myself, so I started. Cook, cooking at home and being like, how can I cook that from scratch? Like, how can I make you know, bolognese from scratch? So you remove your mum and the comfort food and then all of a sudden you have to be creative. How do I know that? I've got a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old. Yeah. And every now and then they'll give me a call and go, mum, what was in the, mm. you know, and I go, dudes, like, just go with your taste. Just, yeah, But yeah. always add garlic and pepper and salt and, you know, get some yeah, herbs yeah. from the garden. And <laughs> I think when you start to have to cook for yourself, you realise that, oh, okay, it's not just about the two-minute noodle. Yeah. that gets a bit boring after a while. Yeah, I mean, food, food's quite... Once you get the sort of the, the basic blocks of cooking, it's it's pretty easy to sort of know how to cook something else. And it's, it's just having those little... There's, there's, there's a couple of little, couple little skills, a couple of pieces of knowledge that, that can lead to a lot more. But I think getting past that is quite hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And it seems so alien um, and, and kind of so 
above people's kind of skill level it to do that all the time. Look no, at the no, Italians. Exactly. The Italians yeah. is the best example exactly. and Spanish. I'll yeah. put, check, chuck them in there too. So when people open Italian restaurants in Australia, I grew up in Melbourne. Mm. So I grew up with really yeah, like Italian old food. school yeah. Italian yeah. food, which starts from the espresso right through to the gnocchi, you mm. know. And I, I just think when people open restaurants sometimes and they complicate, like particularly layer Italian yeah. food, you get the Italian going in there, the diner going, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, you know, yeah, like it's, yeah. And I it think that's... Simple. I think that's what I try. I try and teach that to my kids. It's mm. like you know, like to do a passata is not hard. Yeah. Just give yourself a little bit of time, bit of flavour, whack it in some really good pasta. Don't buy dodgy pasta. I've yeah. just taught them to do that. Yeah. And particularly I mean, my youngest son, he's he's learned how to make pesto. Yeah, cool. From the from the ground up, mm. and he thinks that's pretty rocking. Yeah, I think you need, you need to teach a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of chefs that as well because I think a lot of chefs they want to reinvent the wheel and, and recreate this, and it's got to be Italian food but with a twist or. Italian food, yeah, but, but with with this added, I think um, that's hundreds cooking, and hundreds of years of like yeah, culture. Co- cooking simple food is, is sometimes sometimes harder for chefs to do. You kind of got to remove the ego a little bit, and you've got to make sure that if there's only three things on a plate, those three things have got to be perfect, and that, yeah. that takes like a different attention to detail than than a, a dish with with ten different ingredients, and this is fermented, and that's over coals, and this is glazed with that, and then it's mm. that on top. Is like, that part can, of the training that they get as well? Though? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of that and ego. Like you want to you want to reinvent. Yeah, you want to be creative. Like rock climbing, you want to name the rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you want to, you want to, and you got to keep it interesting. But like, there's definitely, there's definitely beauty and just in elegant simplicity. Yeah, I like that. So, how does Simon go from like snowboarding instructor on an artificial, um, artificial snow yeah. to learning to cook for himself because by means of survival, yeah, to being a chef? Um, originally. When I was sort of going away and, and, and snowboarding in France and Switzerland and I taught out there for a little bit, um, I just noticed there was always chef jobs going mm. and it was really easy to get a chef job, much easier than getting a bar job, much easier than getting a lifty job because everyone wanted to be a lifty yeah. in Europe. So I just noticed there was always chef jobs and I kind of needed something to do. I started cooking more and more, cooking for friends, birthdays, whenever I could and I thought, well, maybe I should just do that as a career probably can't be my, my, my professional rugby career was, was done by that point I think I realised that um, you have no idea how many chefs I interviewed that said they were going to be professional yeah, soccer players we're, we're competitive by nature um, right okay so yeah so I kind of sort of do that so I went, I went to college in the UK and so you, you go to college full time based in the UK so I did um a one, a, I did one year of, of a two-year course that I was supposed to do um after the first year I got offered a job at uh, a pollen which is Welsh for the pole it was um an old toll house, not a strip club. Um, and I got offered a job there. And at the time, I think six months later, we won Best Restaurant in Wales. Really? So it was, wow. it was one of the top restaurants in the country at the time. Yeah. Um, really simple gastro pot, uh, pub. The, um, the building had been there for sort of 300 years um, in the kind of middle of nowhere, about 50 minutes from the nearest town, um, surrounded by fields um but the you know some of the cows we used to use were the field opposite wow. um some of the fish so re- some like agri without being like oh yeah i mean you talk about local in australia and it's kind of it, it still kind of makes me laugh because yeah. you're talking 100 kilometers yeah like part, but who's behind this place um so it was uh two couples so it was uh mark and sue manson and uh, simon and marianne wright Simon and Mark were both food critics in London wow, um, yeah. and writers and their partners, Marianne and Sue, were chefs. So they went in and bought this, bought this restaurant. This, so sounds, this place sounds like my type it's, of place. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's Is still it still just, going now? Yeah, yeah, it's still going, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's still, um, yeah, still one of the best restaurants. It's, very, it's real simple. Um, yeah, they just, they, they, they'd, 
I mean, they both went, they all went to like Gordon Ramsay's wedding. Like they know Gordon, they know Marco, they know mm. all these amazing chefs. They all eaten in some of the best restaurants whilst reviewing. And reviewers tend to get real sick of long tasting menus and that kind of food. So they wanted to open something really simple, three ingredients on a plate. Um, Simon was and Marianne were from, from that area. So they sort of moved back and opened that restaurant. But um, yeah, like, I mean, part of the river where we used to get fish from flowed underneath the restaurant. Amazing. Like, that's how kind of hyper-local yep. um, we were there. Like, the eggs were, we used to drive up and just grab the eggs every day yeah. um, from the little... The real McCoy. Yeah, so, yeah, amazing place to start your career. Was that um, your first job? That was my first job, yeah. I was thrown massively in. There was only two of us in the kitchen at the time doing, like, 50 covers for lunch and dinner. And it's like, every chef's the same. They look back and they go, like, how did we do that? Because mm. it seems mental now, but yeah, like it was very much thrown in the deep end. But I obviously, was... you're comfortable in the kitchen because you said in the in the um, ski fields, like you could have been lifty. Yeah. But you, not everybody, just goes. Oh, I'll get a job as, as a cook. Yeah, I, in the I kitchen. like I like the creativity of cooking, and I, I don't. And a little bit like the insular, not having to hang out with human being in the kitchen thing. Not even that. Like, I'm, like <laughs> I think I think it was more the I'm like real curious. Like if I if I do something, I either, I either do something and try and get really good at it, yeah. or I hate it and don't do it at all, yeah, yeah. and I'll never do it. Yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of not you much sound in between. Like a true creative. Yeah, so there's not much in, <laughs> there's not much in between for me. So yeah. either I'm going to do something really well, and cooking was just like there was endless knowledge. So I love learning. Um, very curious about like, oh, how do I make that, or what's in this? So it's so you saw it as an art form. It's I'm always uncomfortable when, when chefs talk about being artists oh, and no, no, things I'm like not, that. But there's no pretence on um, this podcast. This is I actually, I'm fellow creative here. Mm. Um, I feel like you were in the kitchen creating because you saw it as a visual splendor, not yeah, because I, you were being a wanker. I think um, there's a very small amount of chefs who are creative because yeah. that's the the way that the hierarchy is kind of made yeah there's even smaller who are sort of truly creative and original but um yeah definitely i like, I like that side of it and to be creative and then you get put in a kitchen and you realize you've got to wait 10 years where you can be actually creative yeah. because you've got to be a tradesman yeah you've got to show yeah. up with your tools yeah, do the yeah. job do it the same over and over yeah. again yeah um but i'm also stubborn so i was happy to to, Not to a crack Taurus, on are you, mate? I'm a Taurus. of course you are married to one <laughs> keep going <laughs> so um so yeah so um yeah i mean the plan was be a chef and and so i could go and do seasons more and then as soon as i became a chef i sort of lost interest in anything but cooking so I never actually did a season after that yeah right okay because um, you stayed you stayed where you were so i was there for three years um i did some stages at um some mission star places at the walnut tree um in wales one star and i started um dave ever matthias at, uh champion and savage two stars at the time um so I had some really great, and we had lots of we did lots of events with some really great chefs. I mean, um, and, and I love the Hatted scenario in Australia, mm. but Michelin star like that is pretty hard to get a star, dude. It's yeah, it's I, I think that I mean the standard's quite similar, but like the the history the, behind the, yeah, it is the, very yeah, there's strong. a bit of extra extra kind of um, extra thing to Michelin because you um, were destroying the stars around there, not in an ego way, but you were like, oh, no, 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 no. they're actually really hard to get. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think um, I definitely think that like there's between hats and stars the, the the standard is comparable yeah Michelin's a lot more secretive so yes. it kind of adds to the yeah. allure Secret of it society. and then the, the style in Europe it's it's a lot like we're a lot more simple yeah. restrained in Australia and then you see restaurants in, in London and it's, it's so complicated there's yeah. so many so much technique and so many things going yeah. on which I mean mainly comes because I'd, yeah. say, I'd say the French well uh, yeah yeah but I mean the, the, the minimum wage in the UK is like seven pounds and yeah. it's 25 bucks here so you can afford to have 20 chefs in the kitchen in the UK doing these things yeah. so I mean that's that's kind of the main reason for that difference yeah yeah right god if you got a 
rock star chef in your kitchen and your own gun, mm. female or male, and said, dude, I'm not doing that for 25 bucks an hour. You'd just like throw them out on their ass, wouldn't you? Oh, uh, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's the mix of, yeah, you're like, you kind of, you, yeah, we, we wages are high here. You want everyone to have a really good wage. You want this industry to be really good. Sure. Um, but, but for that to happen, we need the customers to pay more. So and they're, oh, they're, all... they're, they're the more difficult ones. Well, this is what the whole global pandemic um, situation is. Mm. Uh, siphoning out in Australia it's like yeah definitely Lux travel is through the roof mm. but that's such a small percentage right so yeah, yeah. and then you've got um, people can't go overseas anymore whatever I think that sort of middle traveler also needs to go well I need to pay a little bit more you definitely, know yeah, like yeah. you know they can't have 150 in their restaurant they can only have 50 yeah up our way in northern New South Wales at the moment there's a real there's a lot of set menus going on um, yeah definitely. and and I don't mind it yeah you know I, I it's hard for me because I've owned a restaurant and I'm a foodie so mm. I do like to choose my own scenario my husband would be the opposite but if it's $75 for two courses yeah and they're banging courses we're okay with that you know yeah definitely yeah. I think people will be a little bit sympathetic to the, the plight of the restaurateur at the moment um because it's yeah it's, it's been it's, it's it hasn't been easy for a long time but it's been extra tough the last couple of years yeah um and you know people have basically been getting food on a discount for five ten years now but it's like fashion it's mm. the same thing my friend like yeah. you know the old chinese t-shirt yeah yeah 10 bucks. fast it's fashion fast food it shouldn't be any different for food you know mm. so we need to actually i think that's what this has been a realignment mm. of mm. how as us as consumers have to step up yeah definitely to yeah. sustain the industries that yeah. we love yeah so, and hopefully that um that, that sticks for i think while. i think it has although international travel opening you know we're pretty fickle like that we just start to fly away yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm interested in how that all washes up yeah so we and the, yes i'm sure you are don't worry i think lux is okay mm. okay so how do you end up in australia simon um my best friend sean moved to wollongong with a girl he met in france when we you were met out, a girl from the gong in yeah france. when we were on out, the ski field when we were out in france yeah <laughs> she, worked, she worked in the bar um so he moved out here um and then three years later I thought, cool, I've been at the restaurant for three years, that seems good. I've sort of moved my way up to sort of junior Sioux kind of level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's go on a bit of a holiday. Let's go out to Australia. You on your own? Or? Uh, me, me and my other, my other good friend, Bryn, who uh, now owns a building business down here as well. And actually, Sean owns a design company, so three Welsh. Did the Welsh take over the goal? A little bit, yeah. Three Welsh boys <laughs> did pretty well so far. Uh, <laughs> we'll end up running businesses. I reckon I'm going to name drop you in the goal. Yeah, yeah. I, think, um, I feel like doors will open for me. Maybe. There's certain bars, possibly. You might, you might get a free shot. Who knows? Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I came. We came out um, on a sort of working holiday visa, sort of like a year. Mm. Thought we'd um, see what happened. Well, actually, I was actually I had a job in Threadbow at the hotel there cooking. Yeah, right. um, I was just gonna do like a couple months there, snowboard, like finally do my little snowboard dream. Yeah. Um, and we got there and we didn't realize how small Jindabyne was. Yeah. Because in France, you can just sort of rock up and find somewhere to stay for the sure. season. Yeah. And we rocked up at Jindabyne, we're like, oh, it's tiny. Yeah. So I did, I think I did one shift there. Uh, we had a oh, camp- you couldn't find we had, Yeah, we had a camper van booked for the week. Yeah, that's always um, good in the snow too. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cold. Um, <laughs> so me and my mate in this tiny camper for a week, just trying to find somewhere to stay, and we couldn't find anywhere to stay. So ended up bailing down to Wollongong. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up getting a job at Caveau. Is this where you tell me you're a surfer now? Uh, no, I'm really horrible at surfing. <laughs> good, good. Because yeah, you sure. are a yeah. snowboarder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's um, too, yeah, too cold to surf in Wales. Well, a lot of my friends surf in Wales, but too cold to surf in Wales. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I but just... you're close to the snow here, so that's the perfect... Yeah, snow. yeah. I just, I just sort of worked for 10 years, unfortunately. <laughs> not not that much, much else. Okay. 
this year you're going to Australia. Yeah, hopefully. And so you started working where, sorry? Uh, so Caveau, so um, the only hat restaurant in, in Wollongong. They opened in 2005. I think you said to me before we got on air that it's the only hatted restaurant between uh, if, if for, the for, Gong and Melbourne. For times it was there. I mean, last I think the last couple of years... Um, was open. Yeah, there was no one else on the south coast, so and there was no one else uh, south Until of Sydney. So, so yeah, literally or the whole Victoria. way down. And, yeah. and there was occasionally there's a couple of restaurants, one hats in the south coast, like one year, and then would lose it a year. And there's so you guys were consecutive with the hats. Yeah, so 15 years. Wow. Um, Still now. No, nah, so obviously we, we we sold in 2020 or oh, 2021. Right. So that 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 ended the run. But yeah, yeah. so Peter and Nicholas Shepherd opened the restaurant. Um, in 2005, I started working in 2012, and then 2016, uh, myself and my business partner Tom Cimento, we were both working there. We bought the restaurant yeah, right. um, and managed to continue the run of hats. That's impressive for, for three years. Yeah, which I'm sure the original owners would have been very happy with that. Yeah, I mean they they, they wanted when they felt it was time to move on, they, they sort of wanted us to buy it so it could would continue. Um, and obviously, we we changed. That's a really good partnership. Yeah, like yeah, that. and we we changed we changed quite a lot of stuff and we, we shifted to our style of food. Um, and yeah, move things around, but yeah, it's still, you know, still based on the original premise of sort of good local ingredients, I love it. Yeah. And good food. Um, yeah. And yeah, then we and we, we sold in twenty one. We yeah yeah. Uh, how did you how did you manage to pull that off? Uh, we don't know either. Um, COVID, <laughs> um, COVID hit, and we were very concerned with what the next couple of years might hit. Um, and obviously, we, you know, multiple lockdown, like, you know, especially then it was we don't know if this is this the end of the world or is this going to. Um, it's gonna be a year. It's gonna be a month. So we also we knew we couldn't really do takeaway from there with the food we did. It, you know, we did a, yeah, a, I've spoken to a few chefs and I really admire them drawing the um, line in the sand. Mm. Um, you've listened to Luke's podcast with his pies. Yeah, yeah, you know? like, yeah. It's just, Couldn't believe how many pies he's selling. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Still is, should, yeah. should have done pies. Should have done pies, buddy. <laughs> you would have been perfect. Mr. Trick, pies. I know. Peas and chicken um, in your pies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make a great pie. <laughs> but I, I really admire. You know that that to me is a true creative too, where you're just not not um, it's not because you're a wanker, you're just not willing to compromise mm. on your quality. And yeah. if you if your food doesn't go takeaway, it just doesn't go takeaway. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had we'd opened the Night Parrot our wine bar the year before as well, and that was. Were you selling? Ended up turning that into a boutique, like uh, a I mean, wine in wine merchant. Yeah, so we we sold wine. We I mean we did like because that kind of works. Yeah, yeah. We do um we do sort of pan Asian or white boy Asian food there. So yeah, right. Okay. Dump, dumplings and bows and yeah. things. So that that yeah. translated to delivery as well. So yeah. we thought, well, let's... And everyone needed wine. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep that going. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we, we weren't quite sure what we were going to do with for a while, but we ended up, um, ended up deciding to sell and sort of move, moving on. Um, and you actually sold it? Yes. Yes. Well done. It's quite good. Mm. Yeah, well done. Uh, good timing, my mm. friend. And so, is this where Bangalore comes in? Or yeah. Or a little bit of a um, respite there? Well, no, we, we, yeah, we sort of, we ran... Um, Night Parrot for it's very hard to get get the years and things right so would have been you became a podcaster yeah well we do we started, I started the podcast in <laughs> we started the podcast in like 2018 I think actually it's been quite a while um, but now we uh, were I call it PP pre-pandemic yeah yeah I can't do PC yeah. and BC because it's too much like Christ you, you, yeah you yeah, you kind of need that yeah, that separation yeah yeah pre-pandemic <laughs> and yeah. some people have PTSD but yeah yeah I, I, I think we were but, a bit, you know, a bit PP. Of that. <laughs> yeah yeah so you had a podcast in amongst this time yeah so when we so my podcast co-host Stefan Postuma he uh, owns Quicksand Food which published regional cookbooks they did the Illawarra cookbook they did two South Coast cookbooks uh, Southern Highlands cookbook Capital cookbook love that um, and some other stuff 
with his, we were in the Illawarra cookbook, and he approached us to sort of help him get it done and put him in contact with everyone he in the like Illawarra. A, like, good on him. He's yeah, really passionate he's about his area. Good, good ex Steph. Yeah. Um, and he did a podcast with everyone who was in the book as part of the book, so oh, you, could, you could scan a little QR code. He was using QR he was codes. Onto it, mate. Yeah, before yeah. they were cool. I feel like I need to meet Steph. Like. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't seen him for a couple of months, so uh, so we'll see what he's, we'll he's hiding at the moment. Um, but yeah, so he did a podcast with that. And we had Hang on, of... so he did the regional cookbooks and you scan the QR code on the cookbook and you can go would... through the podcast? Yeah, so so we it would be you know regional restaurants or bars and he would have a podcast with each one of them and on their page of recipes, you would scan the code and that would take you to his website and the podcast with that person. Right, so, so, he was so, so I'm going to just throw some names out here because mm. you're one of the least wankery chefs I've met and actually I've, I've met some but yeah. they're definitely not on my podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're up there with some good cats here but you're floating over the podcast. Some of your guests mm. have been incredible. Mm. So you are going to name them to me now. Right. Um, Nat's Nat, let's go. Yeah, there. yeah. That was the, your last podcast. You've had a little that hiatus. Was the, yeah, since yeah, then. yeah, a little, um, little Christmas. Have a little sex and lie down, aren't you, while you're waiting for your next one? You've got Nat's Nat's been on there, which is that cool dude through. I mean, he's he already had a bit of a profile, but mm. he, through the pandemic, he um, he decided to just like have a crack at shit food. Yeah. Um, that you buy, like, yeah. you know, diced tomatoes that are full of just sugar and crap. Yeah. And went... I loved it because my boys, they love YouTube, right? So they just yeah, go on it. Yeah. And, I think and it instead definitely... of me whinging at them yeah. to buy good stuff. Definitely inspired a lot of people to actually cook at home. And it makes it look very easy. It, but it, they eat better stuff. Yeah. Like, he would just literally throw a tin of diced tomatoes out the window and go, yeah, that's yeah, full yeah, of yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. And this is how you make it, dudes. <laughs> yeah. But he related to. Like, well, me particularly, my boys. Mm. Like, I would tell them how to do that, and they go, yeah, whatever, mum. Yeah, exactly. They were like, oh, no, it's there. he's so funny, he's got tats and rings yeah. and stuff, and he told me that I just shouldn't put sugar in my shit. Yeah, and his book's awesome. Do you want to see his book? It's beautiful. Like, uh, we weren't, we got sent a copy of it, and we, were, we weren't expecting you know, a sort of a viral cook on YouTube, just released a well, cookbook. Well, because he's not a chef. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his, his dad was a chef. Okay. So he's, he's, you can sort of tell he's got good fundamentals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his book's amazing. It's all illustrated by some amazing artists in this kind oh, of comic wow. book fashion. Like, it's, um, yeah, you might Have think, you got that in the kitchen here? Uh, no, I've got it on my phone. Oh, I really got, want to get PDF. this book now. I'll, I'll give you a little, a little look. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, it's beautifully done. So that done. was your last um, Yeah, that was, that was actually last one And I've did. been like hanging for the next episode to drop for a yeah, little while now. Yeah, we need to... Um, who we had recently? Well, you had um, Miff. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, Miffy Rigby's been on. Uh, Casey Wall from Bar Liberty in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine. Um, Samantha Payne's been on the show a couple of times. He's a wine writer for The Guardian. Yep. Um, even had a friend back home who I worked with in Wales who I lives love in that. London yeah, now. Bringing the world to yeah, you. exactly. Like um, hanging out with the antipodes. Yeah, we just saw everyone with Hayden from Hayden's Pies, which is an oh, yeah, yeah. institution in Ulladulla. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark from Three Blue Ducks recently. Oh, okay, um, he's a good guy. We um, Darren's Darren's on my list. Yeah, he's up yeah, my way. yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, spoke to Wally Stewart, who's an Indigenous cultural fisherman Fantastic. down the coast during COVID as hey, well. Hey, dude, you don't have to have a name. You just got to have like a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, we try and talk to everyone food related we've had sort of academics on who wrote an article about um sort of appropriation in food we've had yeah reviewers chefs cooks producers farmers um yeah anyone we think might be a good chat we've had mental health professionals on did you hear that guy just that was that yeah it sounded good yeah. yeah usually like we crack a bottle of wine but that's yeah. actually cracking <laughs> a ball on a golf course i'm yeah. loving bangalore yeah so so just on that um you're into bush tucker native foods. Mm. Uh, I talk about indigenous foods across the globe because mm. yes, we've just caught up yeah. in Australia. But even the the ceremony that I was at today, the blessing, um, 
we were chatting straight away. She's like, oh, you're indigenous to the world. And I'm like, yeah, I do <laughs> feel. She goes, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, I've got a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of North American Indian, whatever it is. But mm. we related so much on the global indigenous. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like as somebody that is um, not from Australia, you and me both, mm. um, well, I'm born here, but have you just come here and thought about native foods from the ground up, not so much in that? Because it's a bit of a dark history, as you know. Yeah. Are you thinking of it more like when you were working over in Wales? Um, I when you're getting the chickens and I, the yeah, well, fish I was up always, the river. I was always sort of taught to cook what's around you and what grows around you. Yeah. So like we would always yeah, just, you know, UK small, so you know you kind of get everything. And when I came here, I really didn't know anything about indigenous culture or yeah. you know, people or food. Turns out we all didn't. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's quite horrific, the, the lack yeah, of knowledge in this country. Um, and then when you learn about the history, obviously. Um, yeah. So I was sort of always been like, so what's Australian food? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The answer, oh, Italian, Vietnamese. Well, yeah, and, and I was like, oh, okay, it's just this sort of mishmash of, of stuff. And I, and I quite like that. It, 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 it's quite liberating where Australian food kind of Asian influences or Italian mm. influences or even sort of Eastern European Lots influences. of fusion, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, but then no one was really talking about native ingredients and I didn't even realise there, there was any native stuff. Mm. It was complete ignorance. And then I think it was like lemon myrtle was like mm. the first. I was like, and they were like, oh, it's a, it's a native ingredient. I'm like, ah. Oh. there. So then from there, it was just kind of light bulb of like, right. So there is stuff that only grows here. And then as a chef... That excited me, especially because no one else was really mm, using it. Absolutely. You always kind of want the ingredients that no one else has. So, so that, to start with, it was just that. It was, I want to use stuff that people aren't using, and mm. I want to try and make that into food. And, and from there, then, you, you sort of quickly learn um, some history and some culture. Because and, mm. you know, it's you, really important. If you go down the beach mm. and just collect, because there's plenty of stuff you can eat along here mm, right now, yeah, yeah. but there's plenty of stuff you can't eat. Yeah. So things like carcala and stuff like that mm. um, are now on the menu yeah. and people understand them. But the, the step further is that if you go down there with an Indigenous elder or someone mm. that's from this area, you can end up like finding a whole lot of stuff that you can use in your own kitchen. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But, yeah. you know, at the moment we're sort of in that native ginger, lemon myrtle, um, finger limes are yeah. massive. But if you, there's so many layers, isn't there? There's thousands. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of it comes, a lot of it's hard to Is anyone teaching for. you? Um, I have some people who I've, I've worked with, um, uh, elder down here, Fred from Fred's Bush Tucker. Yeah. It's yeah. been really great. Um, with, As in going down the beach and having a look at what's yeah, going so on. Yeah, so we've we've done some little events together. We've cooked. Um, oh, great. He's been, been for dinner. At, was in for dinner at Cavo. We had Cavo. We used to before we kind of went almost all in on native ingredients. We did a big um, native and wild dinner, and uh, Fred came. Um, Clarence Slocky came. Um, yeah, yeah. He was uh, on Garden Australia, and yeah. he's very knowledgeable about plants. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Christian Hampson. Um, from Yerubinjin, who I still um, do quite a lot of stuff with. Yeah. Um, so this so, is really important to you. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, I, I want to. Like, I want to know about this. Again, I'm curious about mm. everything. So mm. I want to know, you know, how are these things cooked? Like, like, you know, what, what, what's the cultural significance? I want them to be in. I don't want to just use them as, as a token, token or just, just yeah. throwing them on plate. I want them in some sort of context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same with the guys from Something Wild, Daniel Motlop and Shannon Fleming, who's working for him. They've always been a really good source of knowledge. If I shoot, shoot a message about something. Like, hey, like, what's this? What, what can do with this? Um, and, the, yeah, the people I've worked with all try to source 
responsibly for a lot of these ingredients as well. So trying to use um, Aboriginal owned companies to get the majority of ingredients. Um, so people have been really, really giving with their, their time oh, and knowledge. But you know, I just gave you a little um, Endic, Endic Kelp, mm. um, which was, uh, I loved the story and it's going to be, it's actually going to be hard for me to recite it because it was a feeling. Mm. So I was there with um, beautiful Sharon, who's from the dance group, the local dance group down in Mystery Bay mm. in Pebble Beach. Mm. And she was there doing a smoking ceremony for us with the um, fungi of the the trees and we were there doing this beautiful welcome to country mm. but then the, uh, the other girl from um, Leah Leanne from ND Kelp Co she's from a white family but it was the one of the I think it was she said it was the first white family in the area right yeah and her dad was a farmer and mm. he straight away integrated with the indigenous right mm. so those two hadn't seen each other for so many years but they went to school together and it was just such a nice connection. There wasn't any of that dark stuff. It was just straight in, hugged mm. each other's sister. And then, and it was like, oh, so you're getting the kelp. So you're harvesting kelp. You've got Davidson Plum in there. Yeah. And then straight away that traditional owner and the white owner are together right now as we speak, hanging out in their factory, talking about how yeah. the kelp has now got Davidson Plum mm. in it. And I, I, I I'm not describing it well. You had to see it. But the integration of that with no barriers, no darkness, and just complete and utter authentic story was just so heartfelt. Mm. Um, and in the middle of it, they said, please give this to, to give this to Simon because I know he's going to use it. Mm. So that's that product I gave you today. And yeah. I just think, isn't that amazing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, 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 there's so much to learn about this country and um, its food and its history. And it's, it's something that other countries... And not have, to be ashamed of. No, no, exactly. Like, we need to need to accept and understand and... and, and um, you know, in some ways, be apologetic and sort of be be meek and mild, and, and come wanting to learn. But I, th- I think, yeah, everyone wants to to move forward um, with with combined knowledge, especially when it comes to you know uh, things like sustainability and management of the land. Mm. You know, we had the the bushfires here uh, a couple of years ago, mm. and, and there's you know especially a lot to learn about do, about you, fire management down here. Yeah, and the indigenous are the only ones mm. that teach us that because mm. they've been doing it for a very long time. Yeah, exactly. How, how do you how do you find things after the fires? How was um, so? I mean, I was in um, obviously Bangalore had, had to close because of it, and it had you know, massive effects on the south coast and. Um, you know, was was you know catastrophic in some ways, um, and then straight on the back on, on the back of that, um, COVID hit, and there was obviously a lot of fundraising for the fires going on. But I think quite... you had a little flood in between as well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. so there's lots of rain. There's some floods. Say, and I don't say this lightly, <laughs> but fire because we had a bit like that up the coast yeah, as well. Yeah. So fire, flood, famine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, in, I mean, in before that drought as well, which which is oh, less of course. is yeah. less talked about, but that affected um, just you know, a lot fa- of shit going farmers, on. Farmers, yeah, farmers yeah. across across here, and then you know, if you do get um, do get drought and then you get lots of rain, people think, oh, cool, the rain's here, but the, the ground's so hard the rain just runs off. Well, so it's where not this an indigenous fix. knowledge is really important. Exactly, yeah, they'll yeah. know the seasons. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sixty thousand years. Yeah, you, you don't you don't thrive for six thousand years without knowing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if we don't engage with that, we're, mm. we're all screwed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. how are you finding it now for produce and just? Like how it's going here? Is it fruitful? What's um, happening? Yeah, obviously, like we've we've had some good like it's been a really wet summer, which pretty much needed, but yeah. um, everything's a lot healthier. Like I mean, it was um, everything was yellow and, and sort of and, and shades of grey down here, and mm. then, then obviously good to get that rain, and suddenly it's it's beautiful and yeah, green it's very again. Green at um, the moment, yeah. Obviously, logistics um, are a hard part with with produce now. You know, things aren't getting cheaper; everything's getting more expensive. Um, so there's, there's always there's been lots of challenges for the agricultural industry, and then the knock-on is 
is the, the hospitality industry of that as well over the last couple of years. So it's it's something we're we're dealing with and, and, and working on. But there's still amazing producers down here, um, really passionate about what they're doing, trying to do things in the right way. Um, all our meat we use here is either wild, so it's you know, kangaroo, emu, things like that, or we use um, people are, who are farming the land regeneratively, so putting more back into land than mm. they're taking out, yeah. um, making sure you know cattle move around and they're not just growing monocultures and there's permaculture put in place. So we, we try and use producers who are doing things the right way and, and that method really is the future of, of food production. Have you heard of the um, Fair Game Wild Venison crew up our way? Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I've, yeah, I've followed on Instagram. I'm going to connect you, cats yeah, because we, he came over from New Zealand oh. and he couldn't believe all the deer that was being yeah, shot. They were on like Wollongong Beach a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like and people on do, the beach. Oh, no, kangaroos. No, we actually have yeah, deer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> such a problem. Yeah, and, and it's a delicious problem to have. And he's, yeah, he's dealing with it. Um, mm. But at first he couldn't believe the red tape around it. Yeah, Australia. And he couldn't believe that it was so hard for him to not even a TGA standard thing it was more like but you guys are like shooting mm. shooting the deer from the helicopter for the farmers and I'm just trying to solve that problem yeah. and get the nose to tail to the chef but what he had to go through um, yeah. he's on my podcast no, to get to that stage of delivering but now up our way he just delivers boxes all the way from Byron straight oh, through got, to yeah, Brisbane cool. yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't just shoot a I couldn't just go out and not have any idea what I was doing but I, I couldn't just go out and shoot a deer and put it on the restaurant have yeah. to go through all the yeah but you've yeah. got a guy doing that now but yeah, it cool, was yeah. really difficult for him to crack through that red tape yeah yeah it's just frustrating because yeah there is yeah they're, they're becoming an issue and, they're, and a problem to themselves yeah and we can just eat the problem and venison's delicious yeah yeah we've, we've, got a, we've really got to back off on some of that like I, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's elevated the rule but I'm, I'm personally going to jump off the island for a little while mm, and just have mm, a breather yeah because um i just think the rules are kind of like a little bit out of control now yeah yeah it's um <laughs> like yeah it's, it's that balance you need, you need need rules and regulations to stop people doing bad stuff but it needs to mm, make uh, you need a little bit of trust know, product, as well, yeah product yeah. easy to kind of flow and and to get to get the products people need um, yeah so speaking of flow I feel, I feel as though you'd be able to flow in bangalay dining what's going on for you here um yeah we it's I think we're doing some really cool food, um, lots of native ingredients, um, and good sort of balance. We have a tasting menu and we have an a la carte menu. Yeah. A la carte menu is a bit more stripped back, um, just using really good produce, cooked well, uh, simply on a plate. Um, we've got a really cool um, ribeye dish uh, from Target Creek up in Kangaroo Valley, which uh, um, supplied to us by Vincentia Butcher, who's an amazing butcher. Erica down there is an absolute legend. She just gets the best product for us um, and just answers all my ridiculous questions I love it. Uh, yeah. at all times. So we've been loving working with her. Um, what do you do with that? So we do, what are you just, working on that? On the grill, really simply. Um, and then we do a little native thyme hollandaise. Yeah. So sort of Bernays, but without the uh, the tarragon. So we infuse yeah. that with native thyme. Yeah. It was amazing aromatic flavour. Um, a little lick of jus, some nice peppery leaves, a couple of garlic chips. Real simple, you're just really, really good process. Describing it like I'm like salviating over here, Weird. but you're describing it as though it's just a simple little thing that I'm throwing <laughs> together at the pub. So much more than that. Um, were you the first? Did you get the hat here? Was that you? So, yeah, we, I mean, it's, it's hard. Terry Dirac came in to review us, which we're very pleased you about. Knew he was he, here, right? he uh, well, when he arrives, you don't, you don't, you, you know, there's no open kitchen here, so I see when, it was, yeah. when, when Terry, when Terry and Jill will walk in and they're quite, um, yeah. quite a presence, so yeah. you realize they're here. Um, so they gave us 15 out of 20 in the paper, which is a hat level. Obviously, the guide didn't come out this year, um, so there wasn't hats in the guide, so it's kind of we got a hat in the paper, but not in the guide, so I'm not quite sure how you where, where the 
ins and outs of that I'll described. I'll just give you a little side note here. I had a little um, Spanish um, restaurant up in Palm Beach mm. on the Gold Coast, and it was really simple, San Sebastian style, just mm. because it's what I like. You know, just yeah, tapas. Yeah. Share plates. We got 14 and a half out yeah, of 20. Yeah. Darted. I think we were like marked down for the toilet. Yeah, it's the, the 14 and a half is, is such a tough one. But it's still like, something to. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, if, 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 you're in, if you're in the guide, yeah, 14 and a half is like some grey there, but you just feel like you're like. Yeah, Kavo, we were we were fifteen point five. I was done by a dunning. Yeah, we were yeah we were half a point from two hats, and it, it just felt like like oh, oh it was such were, a oh yeah was it a car park or something? Oh uh, yeah, well, I mean who knows? I don't quite tell you. Yeah yeah like, yeah yeah. Something wasn't quite there. Maybe it's wrong going, but um yeah, it's definitely the, the scoring systems. It's interesting. Yeah, and it's definitely something you aim for. You don't want to kind of cook for it so much. Like so, yeah. I mean, I think I was up, up until the paper came out, I was always saying to people like, "We're not getting a hat here. We're not going for hats. That's not yeah. the idea. Like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to cook good food and yeah. put on nice plates and try and serve it well, and then, and then we got. I've got but, one for you. you know, so, on. like, this hats are hats. I mm. mean, dude, you've had stars and hats, and I've got a casino boy in the restaurant tonight from right. the uh, beef eating capital of Australia. Right. Yeah. So, um, no, nothing pretends there. No yeah, hats. Yeah. No, no awards. But yeah. he'll tell you all about your ribeye. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Challenge so. on. <laughs> <laughs> Literally to your face. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, challenges on. <laughs> so, what other dishes do you love on your menu right now? Um, we've got a. Also, I, I, I love the, the native dishes we do here. We've got a dish that's sort of been on from the start now. It's um, kangaroo loin seared really quickly, rolled in wattle seed, and kind of cut like carpaccio. Mm. Uh, and it's a little pickled munchies, which is kind of like a tiny native apple. Mm. Um, wow. Hazelnuts and then carcalo and, and saltbush or whatever we kind of forage Cacala. at the time. I threw that in before. Lovely, I love I wonder some if carcala. you knew what was going on. It's, yeah, it's a great ingredient. Um, <laughs> nice. So, yeah, We've so, got a restaurant in Byron called Carcalo. Yeah, you yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been? Them. No, I haven't. No, no I've, been, I've been following them. Hit up yeah, me or uh, Darren or who did you put on your podcast? Uh, Mark, Mark, yes. Yeah, cool. People know. Nice. You'd really dig her vibe. Too. She's yeah. indigenous to the area. She's a chef from Sydney. Yeah, yeah, really love what she's doing. Yeah, um, yeah. So we really like that dish. Um, we've got an emu dish on right now, which which I've been doing for a little while. Oh, wow, I think it's, what's going um, on with the emu? So it's it's kind of when I start playing with the emu, it looked a little bit like brisket. Yeah, the kind of makeup yeah. of the meat. So we're like, yeah. let's play around with the brisket. So we we brine it for five hours, um, then just cook it real like real quick over the grill. Um, and then we do like a pepperberry sauce. So it's mm. kind of beef and peppercorn sauce but the sort of native version um mm. and i think it's just it's you don't see emu done at all in most restaurants mm. um so i was really happy when i kind of tinkered and played and got to a, a mm. point where i think it's really delicious and when people do eat it i think their expectations are so low that mm. it's quite easy to beat but um mm. yeah it's, it's it's quite delicious and and we can see the sea so obviously you've got some seafood yeah yeah so um yeah there's, there's always a lot of uh, a lot of changing seafood here um we use um the one we've got uh, bully mullet from yeah. lake illawarra yeah um, which is very like people get a bit weird with that one because it's something they would usually use as bait or they'll yeah. chuck out yeah um but we've sort of uh, worked with it so it's, it's kind of it becomes you know more luxurious sort of bonito texture yeah. um but it's something that is synonymous with the area um and people don't normally eat um we use a local snapper do you get any kind of like local fishermen in yeah, yeah, we have done, and they've um, they're either like really stoked because they're, like, they're like, oh, we chuck this away most of the yeah. time, or they're I'm like, going home to grab it out like, of the yeah, fridge. or they're like, I'm paying money for mullet. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's, I mean, it's amazing, great, this great seafood up and down here. So there's um, yeah, a lot, a lot of snapper yeah. um, as well as some some other fish. Are you doing play anything with, with abalone? Uh, no, I do. I have plans for a, a smoked abalone and pork belly dish Ooh, next next it. week. I really? think. Um, wow. Yeah, 
Uh, also sea urchin there's a lot of sea urchin down the coast as well yeah. so we're trying to get them on the menu yeah um, as, what, as we speak and what about desserts um, desserts we keep it quite simple and we sort of just add the little native splashes the moment um, riberies are in season now yeah um, so there's a couple of trees on the way in yeah right uh, so we do a little ribery cherries are also in season as well so I'm sort of do you, know, you hunt and gather yeah we, we majority of our garnish is all foraged um, all the as in you send the chefs out yeah all the boys know like spots oh, for pretty much everything we use now so there's stuff on the beach we've managed to find because I'm, I'm not from here I've got lots of spots in Wollongong but yeah. we've managed to find spots for yeah. for ice plant and um, sea blight They're and samphire and, have you got some Chicks in that kitchen uh, well? No, we're actually in an all-guy kitchen, which is a uh, first for me. I've, it's the first time I've been in a... Yeah, Kavo, we were majority female staff. Really? And, wow. And my first two head chefs were both female as well. So, yeah, right. Um, so yeah. you're not adverse to having the chicken? No, no, I, th- I think women are so much better in the kitchen. Yeah. I've, I've got young boys and yeah, they, yeah. They, they can like sometimes... Yeah, but they're obviously passionate. They're, they so pa- they're so passionate. How did you find staff in this um, current climate? What did they find you? A little bit of both. Like... Um, so I've had a couple of staff who worked for me previously come to work. Yeah. So I've got, um, you mustn't be a bad bloke. Oh, I think I'm all right, boss. <laughs> I go right. I don't shout. I don't swear. I don't belittle. Don't, I don't you? I don't, at I don't, all? No, no. I'm, I'm just super chilled. No, like I, I don't want to. But stubborn. Stubborn, yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I'm, I hold people to a standard, but like I, I don't want to. I, I, I spend a lot of time here. Yeah. I don't want this to be a horrible place to come to. Yeah, like yeah. I want this to be a nice place, well, nice positive place. Kitchens are meant place. to be the nucleus of love. Yeah, well, yeah. It's not not the case mm-hmm. in commercial Sometimes. kitchens. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty nice to work. With. And how did you? Did are they local crew? Um, just a couple, couple drive down from Wollongong, same yeah. as I do. Um, yeah. So yeah, so uh, Josiah's in the kitchen. That's like to put us into the picture. It's about forty-five minutes. Yeah, long. yeah. It's a little yeah. bit of a drive. Not not crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, you've got Josiah who used to work for me at Cavo. Um, Paul actually. Uh, applied for a job at Cavo years ago when he was a bit too young. Uh, he, he contacted me again uh, when he looked. I saw us hiring here. Yeah. Um, Bryce, our sous chef, he's a local. He moved back from Canberra. He worked some good hard places in Canberra. He moved back and was looking for work. He must be stoked to um, be here. Yeah. So we've got a cool little team. Um, yeah. Oliver's local. So you're not struggling year. to get chefs. Um, chefs we're good for. Um, we've, we've been really lucky with I think staff. You're the only restaurant in Australia that has actually said that right now. Yeah. We've even Luke yes. was telling me the other day that he can only open. Thursday oh yeah. Sunday. Yeah, heard that. Um, yeah. yeah, we've been really lucky. Like we, I mean, you could always do with more chefs. And but I mean, yeah, the boys don't do insane hours. There's not, there's, there's, yeah. it's not eighty or sixty hour weeks here. It's 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 kept to what's manageable. But yeah. we still manage to open for six nights a week, three lunches, seven six bre- nights a week, seven three lunches, seven breakfasts. Yeah, we're wow. open. We're open every day. Yeah, wow. So then that, that's that's challenging. But yeah, we chefs we've been we've been good for. So how many covers? Um, we can we, we tend to cap it depending on uh, our staff. We're around fifty covers. So how per you've got villas here that obviously service for breakfast, yeah, lunch, dinner. Yeah. How many villas have you like? How many uh, people so come in? Sixteen villas. Uh, two two bedrooms. Yeah. Rest of one bedroom, and then between the three houses, they sleep. So do you allocate like thirty or so? Each night, how, we, do you, how do you manage that? We make sure that guests know that it's a busy restaurant and it's, okay, it's, an, it's yeah. an operational restaurant oh, out, so outside cool. of the yeah. villas, so yeah. to book early yeah, to avoid disappointment. Yes, um, <laughs> but so yeah, we're open for dinner six nights, so and uh, lunch Friday, Saturday, Sunday. For so, there's a really small, regional, kind of quiet, sleepy beachside town, that's mm, pretty epic what you've managed to create. Yeah, there. it's a lot going on. Yeah, so are, the, are people driving from, where are they driving from for dinners on like a Tuesday night, for example? Um, yeah, I mean, we could get people from, from Sydney, from, from down the coast, from the Highlands, from a couple came down from Canberra the other day. Special occasions, stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely a lot of birthdays and anniversaries I get. Um, also, I think, yeah, we're getting a, a good reputation for the food we're doing now, so I think yeah. people are coming um, for, for the food. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have some really good press over the last... 
last 18 months we've been in Not the oh this is also the, the pinnacle of the charts uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's the, the one um, <laughs> other well, than yours yeah yeah um, we yeah so yeah we get a, a, a broad clientele um, obviously we I mean the villas are generally booked out a couple mm. months ahead and so, they're all going to book in for yeah so we have you know 60 odd people with the villas and the, and the I just, I'm so excited that I'm sitting in this really kind of like serene environment in this beautiful space but I've got this Epic restaurant, yeah, like, yeah, like a hop, skip, and jump. Oh, it's great when you've had a couple too many, uh, too many, Dude, wine, too many wines at dinner, and you can just. And as I said, old mate more. loves golf, yeah, so it's yeah. got everything I need right here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Isn't it? It's but really I mean, that's incredible. what we're trying to do. Like, it's, it's you know, the South Coast is a big, extended, long area, and there's you know distance between anywhere you want to go. So I mean, are you so kidding? We, I just drove from Eden. Well, to here yeah, today. exactly. Yeah. So you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Via Byron Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like the, the <laughs> nearest restaurants are Barry, which is sort of 20 minutes yeah. away, or, or Bateman's Bay, which is sort of an There's hour or so. There's a lot so. of distance in between. Yeah. yeah so people want to. People might do that for you know, you know, one one or two times of their their stay here, but yeah. they they want to be able to come to the restaurant and, and have multiple things. So between a sort of and oh, just happy chill out. Hour. Though, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah we want to make it pretty easy. Like come so, come for dinner. Yeah. Have some food. Have some wine. Stumble back. It's really beautiful easy. here. I'm very happy to be here mm. right now. Okay, so I always end the podcast, mm-hmm. and I didn't tell you this because you're a podcaster. <laughs> so I was like, well, if you trip out, then you're a loser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, who and where in the world inspires you? A person and a place? Because I'm all about. Relating the person to the place. Um, it doesn't have to be one person. Who am I? I, I that's a good question. Um, it can be mum. Yeah, mum inspires me. She, she goes alright. She cooks. She cooks a good Sunday dinner. <laughs> um, I try. Like I kind of get inspired by lots of people. Like I, 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 I read quite widely between sort of politics and science oh, and yeah, art cool. and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's lots of sort of. Uh, Political and activist figures are like podcaster. Give me a podcaster um, that inspires you. Oh, Gastropods podcast. I love their podcast. Oh wow! Okay, I, I, um, there's a new one for me. Yeah, she's an American woman and a British woman, and it, it's food in the, in the lens of history and science, and it's just fascinating. Like, wow. I, I wish I could produce a podcast. Anyway, what's it called? Uh, Gastropods. Right. Um, okay. So I listen to that go on my drive home quite often because it's fascinating. They're, like they when you're not listening to traveling to New York. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I do that, and then it's only forty five. <laughs> and so then you're in. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, oh, yeah. What about me? Unfortunately, occasionally I listen to my own one. Um, <laughs> and where in the world inspires you? Um, I mean, I, I think I, I still look to the UK a lot. I still have friends there, and I still follow restaurants there. And I, I, I there's some restaurants there, like a restaurant by Long Clume, who actually just won three stars. Wow. After 20 years. Um, in com- After 20 com- years, they got three they, off the bat. Yeah, well, no, yeah, so they've been open 20 years and they, they've had two. Uh, they've had two for, yeah, it took them like five years to get a second hat. Took them another, uh, well, yeah, five years to get the first hat or something, and then another 12 years to get the second. Yeah. And maybe it's open 20 years and everyone's been, everyone's been predicting he's going to get three stars for, for years and years and years now. And this year he got it. And... I just Whereabouts I, is it? Uh, in Cumbria, so sort of northern uh, England. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful restaurant here. It's wow. a farm where they grow like 90% of produce. Oh, so goodness, I've always loved yeah. to do. But just like that perseverance and that yeah. like, that's hard. 20 years in a restaurant pushing to that level yeah. is, that's insanely, yeah. insanely tough on your mental an and physical race. well-being. Yeah. Yeah. And to like see how, there was a video of him getting awarded it and like just, just the, the relief and the happiness on his on his, oh, film, his, his 55-year-old man's face. Uh, Simon Rogan, the like chef's his, name. Yeah, so yeah, right. so I always loved their restaurant and that, that was just something recently that, that kind of um, gave me a little, little pep up. I think that's of, gorgeous. Of, yeah, of, of, For your next 30 years. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I feel like, oh, 
20 yeah. more years. Oh, oh, don't worry, I'll watch, oh, the, I'll watch the video of you crying. <laughs> so other than what you're um, gathering from the local environment, are you mm. growing anything on site? No, not yet. It's, um, Sounds like you don't need to. No, I mean, yeah, to be fair, it would be nice if the chefs didn't have to go quite so far to get stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, we, it's definitely a step we'd love to take. We've got heaps of space here. We'd love to get some herbs and some native things growing um, at some point. So, yeah, it's definitely something I'd like to do down the road. Oh, um, it'd, be, wow. it'd be nice to do. There's, I mean, we're all surrounded by native plants here anyway, but um, not too many edible ones. So I seem to uh, try and get some edible ones planted that we yeah. can use. Yeah. Um, so here's where I first thought that I've had four coffees today and a glass of <laughs> orange wine. And no food. Yeah, um, yeah. So I can't wait to eat your dinner tonight. Yeah, Are you yeah. on the tools? I'll be there, yeah. I'll All righty. Hey, yeah. thank you so much, dude. And um, I can't, what number episode, whatever. I can't wait for the next yeah. episode of Food Fight to Yeah, drop. We, we stopped numbering now. Maybe you should we, have we, me we on there. Do you want to have me on there? Yeah, I'm, I'm coming. Let's there, right. I'm the next. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> Thanks so much. No worries.